Fuck pain, fuck heartbreak. I'm still in love with life. From the multicultural headquarters of the future capital of the free-thinking states of America known as Los Angeles, this is the Drunken Dows Podcast. Tonight, we boldly head into fall with a fresh Richard Bellelli chat, including growing up in the 70s was such a different thing. No criticism without offering positive creative alternatives. Strawbell success at the Ventura County Fair. The punk rocker of ancient Greece, Blades for Hands, Badass of the Week, The Ghost of Tom Joad, and What Would You Do If You Suddenly Had a Billion Dollars? And now, asking you all to spread the words that corporations are not persons, I'm Rich Evers. And my partner in crime, the savage philosopher and middle finger of the gods, Daniele Bolelli. As we invite you to lower the lights, batten down the hatches, and prepare to open your mind for the Drunken Dows podcast begins now. Are you ready? Yep. Welcome back, everybody, to another fine episode of the Drunken Dows podcast. See, I went different there. Willie Nelson always varies his rhythms. I'm impressed. And any reference to Willie Nelson within the first six seconds of the episode is a good one. And I didn't even get to the 163 part, I don't think. I think you did. So, yes, this is episode 163. So, after 162 of them, I figured I'd change one. And also, if you mention Willie Nelson, just mentioning the name, the amount, there's some THC that oozes when you just mention Willie Uh, Nelson. So, I think that confused you too. There's Willie's Reserve available now. I'm sure there is. Crazy. I love Willie Nelson. I'm crazy about gambling on football. Speaking of which, see I, what I, did there? I see what you did. Some of the folks who are keeping us in business today, we have for the next four weeks. Actually, we're going to be releasing four episodes in the next four weeks. So we are intensifying our production for the next month. Don't get used to it. We're not going to do this too often. Unless you donate just, like crazy all of a sudden. Right. But these guys. <laughs> so, yeah, basically, you're going to get four episodes as a freebie. Thanks to the folks at my bookie who are sponsoring this for and asking for, you know, in addition to the classic two per month, asking for two extra. So here we go saying thank you to those folks who make it possible. Four episodes brought to you by my bookie. You know, it's going to be football season again, and uh, I may have to play some action somewhere. Whatever am I to do? What if I, what if my local bookie is not the one to be trusted and I need somebody to help me? Get my gambling. Yes, the old days of gambling with some shady character on a street corner are gone. The magic on the internet has made it so that you do not have to do such things. (laughs) And you don't have to be in Vegas either. You can do it all online. What? So these folks at MyBookie offer a whole bunch of options regarding football gambling. And NFL season is coming up, so here you go. My book is not just football, though. Baseball, NCAA football, tennis, golf, MMA, boxing, soccer, motorsports. You can pretty much gamble on anything. Sweet. Up to $1,000 first deposit bonus, so you can double your first deposit. Use promo code. Rich, you want to give us the promo code? Taoist. T-A-O-I-S-T. To activate the offer. 
So visit MyBookie online today. That's M-I-B-O-O-K-I-E. And don't forget to use the promo code DAOIST when creating your account to claim the bonus. Bet, win, get paid. Well, thanks to these guys for these four episodes in a row. Also, thank you to our usual sweet folks keeping the lights on. Number one being Onnit, who has been with us forever, and they are awesome. I was just chewing on an Onnit Otmega bar that kept me quite happy when I need a snack. Uh, Their elk bars are amazing, speaking of snacks. Never mind all the supplements. Yesterday, actually, I was in a particularly foggy brain day and I went for Alpha Brain, which is always a rather pleasant option, especially for me because I don't drink coffee that much. Occasionally, occasionally, but not that much. So Alpha Brain was fun. Also, big shout out to grasslandbeef.com. There's Hell a prize yeah. waiting in the freezer for Mr. Rich Evers. Move There's over. steak coming over for you. So that's the one you already had, right? It's fairly awesome. Really awesome. I think these are, it's a little bit different kind of thing. We had the New York strips last time, which were delightful. That grassland beef, quite tasty. I can't recommend it enough. Yeah, those guys are awesome. So if you guys do eat beef and you go for high quality, grass fed, all the good stuff. Grass fed makes a big difference. It is an interesting it really thing. Does. I've been learning a lot about corn on feedlots and yeah nasty nobody needs that no so check these guys out they are they have been super sweet to us so please check them out um since we're giving shout outs might as well give a shout out to cold steel for the awesome crossbow that they sent me um Snor- speaking of coffee while i am not a huge coffee drinker so i do appreciate when this guy sent us some snorost.com Snorost are sweets. Again, they are listeners. They set up their own little coffee enterprise. High quality, sweet. The code is TAO, T-A-O, the number 18, for a discount. They Check roast them it, out. They cool it. They package it. They put it online. First come, first serve. Fresh I, out the door. Sweet guys. And again, if you buy coffee from anybody, might as well check them, right? Absolutely. They support us. And last but not least, shout out to NeverTapGear, nevertapgear.com. They produce both uh, knee braces for avoid injuries while working out, some the awesome rash guard designed by Savannah and other good stuff, including a great jujitsu journal that I shall talk about in upcoming episodes. Of course, if you shop on Amazon, please use our Amazon link. And having said all that, let's get the episode rolling. Isabella moment boom boom So let's go with um musical Isabella moment. Excellent. Um some weeks ago she wanted some music to go to sleep, so I decided to play something on the mellow end and I found that the ghost of Tom Joad by Bruce Princeton. Oh. Not the most cheerful song in the world, but soulful, beautiful, powerful. I love it. This, of course, got us talking about who else covered this, and that was not such a good night mellow song because there was Rage Against the Machine covered that very same song. Completely, you're going to pick in the first place. Completely different, but very good as well. 
not great for putting her to sleep, but still. And then since we had gone that far, we're like, okay, we can go one more. And there's a version that turns out to be my favorite of all three. Uh, that Springsteen and Tom Morello playing it live together. That one is amazing. It's a perfect blend of the previous two. Is uh, It has sort of the lyrical soulfulness of the Springsteen song with a little bit more heavy guitars all our age. Wherever somebody's fighting for a place to stand For a decent job or a helping hand Wherever somebody's struggling to be free So if you guys are looking for something to listen to, check it out. I'll be listening on the way home, I'm sure. I love that Tom Morello guitar. That's crazy. That Just flipping that switch back and forth is how he does it. Amazing. He's he reinvented it. Beautiful. And uh, yeah, man, it's it's really soulful. That's one of the things I dig. There's that like, ah, I can't describe it. So you guys just check it out. Ghost of Tom Jod, Bruce Springsteen, or better yet, the version with Springsteen and Tom Morello. Fuck you, I won't do what you told me. Right. That's <laughs> one of the most powerful songs of the last decade. It was probably 15 years ago now. Right. I know. Some of this stuff is like, I, some of this stuff, the passing of time is a weird uh, thing. I'm like, oh, that was just the other decade. 12 years ago. And uh, something, well, yeah, it's yeah. crazy. Now, on a different note, so I'm reading, they ask, uh, this was the end of fourth grade, they ask all the kids to write a story. Um, long story that they are supposed to do. It took long, a little too intensely. She wrote like 400 pages. I don't know, like 25 pages of stuff. It was ridiculous, <laughs> right? It was really detailed. And, and at one point, about halfway through, I ran into the lines Ha, please. And they call this a state of the art lock. I've been picking these since I was in diapers. <laughs> it was like, okay, that says something about where you're at with your mind. And speaking of which, one of my Isabella's comments about gender roles were quite fascinating. She goes, Girls at my school say that the boys are stupid and immature. The boys say that the girls are prissy and no fun. I think they're both right. Yeah, they got it nailed. I was like, oh, that's... <laughs> I don't. I was about to say mean, not really, because unfortunately, then sometimes I look at some of, like sometimes I hear and I'm like, hey, you're too negative. Then I look, I'm like, okay, you got a point. I I see what you're saying. I was staying with a couple last week when I was on my visit, and yeah, their kids are, you know, six and ten sort of. Mm-hmm. 
What kind of controls do you put over the internet? Is it like only in a public room or somebody? I mean, just for the fact that you could so easily stumble into madness. Yeah, I mean, we are, Izzy's never really kind of off on her own somewhere. She's always with us. Yeah. So even if she's watching her stuff, she's watching it next to her. Actually, that's, that's kind of obnoxious because we hear every single thing that she watches because she has the vol. But, you know, so that's really hasn't been an issue. Uh, we shall see how it changes in the future, but right now it's not. I was just happy that I didn't have to go through that so much. Right. When it really kind of became a thing, they were already in high school. It's weird, man, because I think about, speaking of the passing of time, you know, the way we grew up, which is not a million years ago, you know, no. we're not like the 80-year-old dude who goes like, back in my day, you know, really wasn't that long ago, but it was a completely different way to grow up. Yeah. You know, it's like, uh, as, a, as a little kid, I remember cartoons were available maybe half hour a day on one channel. Yep. That was it. And we That's had a little extra splash on Saturday. You'd have right? like four hours. Exactly. And I had a sister, so we had to switch off every 30 minutes or trades would be in order. Right. Terrible, terrible. I got to watch, I got to watch Strawberry Shortcake. The Super Friends were on, damn it. Right. We like, got to do something. And there was no recording. Nope. And there was no, I was telling Ethan just the other day, the thought that when you went and saw Star Wars, that was it. Yeah. You might get to go twice. I know there were mad people that went hundreds of times, but uh, me and my dollar thirty-five definitely did not go right. more than twice. Yeah. And you never even thought about watching them over and over again and everything being available. Well, I mean, stuff like that was interesting because once in a while there were movie theaters that specialized in re-releasing old movies. Yeah. Because that's the only way you saw them. That was it. Then even, uh, even then, VCR was like, oh, VCR, how cool is that? Yeah, you I know? dreamed about that for like five years before one ever came to our house. Exactly. And I remember the movies were like $185. They were crazy expensive. When they first came out, if you wanted a copy of something that nobody else... but. You know, folks went for it. Yeah, yeah those of who course, had it, we didn't because you didn't have an alternative. No, yeah, in fact, it's funny because I mean, on one end, it sucked, right? I mean, the feeling of being bored as a kid was definitely probably more common because objectively, there was so much, there were so many less sources of entertainment all around you. Yeah, but we just went out and got into it. Exactly. But on the other hand, the good part of being bored is that you had to figure it out. Because it's like when you have summer vacation and suddenly you have endless days of summer of freedom, which is awesome. But then you also run out of things to do after a while. And so you're like, okay, what do I want to do today with my time? But I remember those summers in upstate New York. I mean, I was first grade. Mm -hmm. But me and the gaggle of kids on my street would get on our bikes And we were pretty much in the country up there. Right. And doing things we shouldn't be doing for sure. Exploring the well, you know, going down by the creek where it was rushing a little too fast. All these sort of things that nobody had any idea of. Right. But sunset, be home before the streetlights are on. It was a pretty easy rule. And we filled our summers that way. And I don't ever remember being bored. No, there's that for sure. The activity level was clearly higher because you had less shit to do with gadgets and computers and things. And the other thing, like in my case, one thing that I did a lot of was just a ton of daydreaming and uh, entertain myself with imagination. Did where you I would draw just, or did you write uh, stories? I suck at drawing. Or? So I would really just play them in my head sure. a lot. And just imagine these stories, imagine this, what this character is. I would just run movies in my head, essentially, all the time, you know. 
and it was definitely a good uh, gym for the imagination where you build the imagination muscle quite a bit because you don't have kind of ready-made products deliver at the fingertips uh. i mean even like think about the video games from 25 years ago simple and ridiculous were, i mean i played pac-man and i thought he was like the coolest thing in the universe yeah um not so long ago because i decided for my mental sanity and for my my already not exactly enormous amount of free time i never went past playstation 2 and no, even I playstation should. 2 to me was like amazing savada the other day like one day i pulled it out again i wanted to play a game and she was making fun of me because it's like man these graphics suck you should see the stuff they have today and i'm like this stuff is amazing to me compared to what i was used to i know and the stuff they have today is amazing i can see where they get hooked on it but man is it a problem He's weird. It's that's like such a Taoist concept right there. That's something that's a blessing contains a bit of a curse in it, and vice versa. Where it's not that clear cut of a process of like oh a linear progress. We go from something that's not good to something that's better because you have more possibilities. Is this was more of a lateral thing yeah. where we were here and then everything it mushroomed out sideways. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we have no idea to do with most of it. And I don't know, man. I I, I was listening to Bill Maher the other day. I hope that doesn't freak anybody out. But he's pretty convinced that the phones are the biggest part of the problem when it comes to these crazy killers. That their loneliness and their ready availability to find cheerleaders to do terrible things sure. that you would really have to dig and join a zine and write a yeah, letter yeah, of and, course. and meet somebody in a parking lot. Yeah. You can sign up online right away. Right. And I don't know. Isn't it weird the interconnectedness? Yeah, it's weird. The Which is weird because if you tell me on paper, like is greater interconnectedness a good or a bad thing? Of Sounds course like it's a great the best thing, thing ever because everyone's going to reach out and teach people about being free and blah, blah. And of course, there are, there are those aspects as well. Look at Hong right? Kong. Because it's like... Hong Kong is amazing right now. Right. Why don't we do that? And there's so much of that. I mean, think about like the stuff that we have learned through this, through interconnectedness, through connecting with people that you would never in a million years have a chance to meet in person For in sure. your own hometown, right? So it's, it's a classic Taoist... Is it bad or is it good? It's both. It's both. It's, it goes in both directions at the same time. It increases dramatically the good stuff. It increases dramatically the bad stuff. It's sort of like it just gives you more of what's already there. It's not improves or makes things crappy. It's, it does both at the same time. There'd be no straw bales in my backyard without the internet. Right. It's where I learned it. You want to tell us a little bit about your recent success? Uh, not so much my success, but my uh, I did my my mini to my mini pumpkin yeah. and my uh, acorn squash both came second place in the Ventura County Fair, which I just so what loved. you do is just you lay out down straw bales, yep. you soak them with nutrients, yep. and then just plant right into the straw bales, whatever you want in there, and you're getting awesome results. Everything grows. You like that better than having like um, what are the things called? The, the um, when you till up the land or yeah, no the um, raised beds. Raised beds. Well, this was the only reason we did this because we would have done raised beds if it was our house, but since we're renting, we wanted something where it wouldn't be in place and a problem to get rid of this. You sure. break down, you could spread it out. Because it's, it's straw, yeah, right? It's straw, and every year leaves like six inches of like the greatest topsoil you could hope for. It's perfect. So what was a dead corner of the yard now just teems with life. That's awesome. 
Yeah. And Why does anybody even use a raised beds at that point if uh, straw bales are so much? Same sort of thing, I think. I mean, they kind of look nicer and they keep it in place. And I mean, they would work about the same. It's just the straw bales just... Yeah, but they cost a lot more to set up yeah. from the wood and stuff. And well, they We are... built one just to do it. And now it's full of these giant cactus that they're just going to live there. They're obviously staying. Right. Which is fine, too. Right. A, a plant that that's happy doesn't need to be moved anyway. Good. And uh, I don't know, you know, with the Soul Health movie we're working on, it's really, this may actually be a, a chapter to it, that we want these farmers to make these big changes. Yeah. But if every other house in your neighborhood would implement one of these 12 to 14 straw bale gardens, the amount of increase in wildlife just in our little corner is extreme from... We didn't have anything over there. It was right. dead, like yeah. clay, salty clay with some really hardy, spiky, shitty plants that nobody wants. To now, um, all the grass that was hidden down in that soil blossomed. Right. Um, butterflies, every kind of bug. We said green June bugs. I haven't seen any green June bugs out here. Sweet. But it really is amazing. Um, it's funny. The soil will hide seeds for a long time, mm -hmm. and the seeds are patient. They got one shot, and if it ain't perfect, yeah. they're not going to go for it. Well, now's the point in time where it looks like a lot of these seeds that have waited are just firing away. That's awesome. And when you combine it with like the wildlife, we definitely have a little possum family that lives in the corner, but they're fine over there. They don't bother us. Right. Our, our, our animals have their rabies shots, and these don't seem feral or crazy or anything. But they definitely enjoy the garden, especially like sunflowers. Plus, they eat thick. Um, oh, yeah. Thicks are mean and pass you Lyme disease and shit. So, yeah. possum are not a bad gig for that. No, it's just, it's all a part of it. It's it's funny. What I'm learning through the movie is it's all there for a reason. Yeah. Even, even the rattlesnakes, you know, they rattle for a reason. That's tell you to go away. Yeah. But um, what we've created is such a disaster and that there is a moment to fix it. And if people could do it on a small scale. Uh -huh. So, I mean, imagine if, I mean, you guys are in kind of an incredible place right here. It looks like a, a rainforest through here and it's gorgeous. But down in the cities, yep. if you just had heat sinks that were, you know, 40 by 30, where it was actually plants, you know, there's no better solar collector in the world than a plant. Mm -hmm. I heard they collect 90% of the light that hits their leaves. I think our best solar panels are like 18%. No, that's why, in fact, what we were saying uh, when Lauren came on to the podcast and chatting, that's a really interesting thing to do. Absolutely. Well, we always talk about, you know, I want to fix the world. I want to do this. And we always talk about the best place to do it is locally. Yeah. Starting your own damn house. Starting your backyard. Yeah. And encourage other people to do it. My friend Will took to it this year and he's never going to quit. Right. He's the, he, got a, he got a picture of his backyard. He looks like the Peter Tosh legalize it. Um, album everywhere. <clears throat> just everywhere and it grows great too and if you're in a place where it's legal great the, the state actually prefers you grow it yourself that's awesome and there be any interaction so mr newsom there you go friend i like anyway it. that's way off base but i will be preaching more and more about this because as our uh, soil studies movie gets going um which i hope is going to be a big thing um yeah it really where i was listening to too much politics and bullshit on tv I've cut a lot of that out. I peer in to, to look on occasion, but not the way I did because I can see that there are ways out of this that involve, just like we were talking about with Lauren, you know, you got a persimmon tree and a pear tree. That's great. Put your, uh, there's no way you'll be able to eat it all. So put it out for your neighbors. Right. So when their lemon trees and their avocados come around, they're going to come bring you some. If we would do that on a neighbor scale, people's food costs would drop. 
you know when you said right now about um, getting involved too much in like political discussion and man recently the last two or three months my life has improved so dramatically ever since i'm putting a filter on like how much i decide to engage online with things like this yep. i can't even tell you how many times in the last couple of months i've started a reply on a post and then i go delete 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 Block. delete delete no not even uh, I, i've done that before just already. Don't That's engage. The, it's like nope i'm not going there because i think like what am i adding here am i gonna change anybody's mind no am i making anybody's day better no Am I, am I doing anything that in any way, shape, or form improve the quality of anybody's life, including my own? No. Especially your own. Yeah, so, which doesn't mean, you know, don't engage with any kind of politics, but, like, do it very selectively. Put the emphasis on, you know, for every one time you want to do that, put nine things that are more that actually can benefit people, that can be stimulating, that can be something that people can relate to, that can make people laugh, that can do things that are that have an immediate good impact. Not in a, oh, but if everybody understood this, the world would be a better place. It's like, yeah, that. good luck with that. Good luck with that. So I dig that concept of like doing little things that have an immediate impact, whether on other people, whether on yourself, whether it's your, your own immediate environment in your house, like you're talking about a physical thing. Yeah. Uh, that's a great approach too. Uh, whether it's even a non-physical thing, such as online posts, like really think about what are you trying to achieve here? You know, like ever since I decided not to do that, man, I noticed my my days are considerably more pleasant. Because it keeps you on that mindset. Yeah. There's somebody close to me in my house that will often get into a flame war. And I was like, yeah. what are you doing? I understand, but you're never going to change that person's no. mind. Absolutely. And all it does is end up with you upset for a few hours. Yeah, exactly. Because once that gurgles up in you, now you're all fired up and pissed off. And it's like, what did that solve? You're not going to change that person's mind. Yeah, what was it? The, I forget where it was. It's a classic sort of trite Buddhist saying, but it's like anger is like the concept of uh, I'm so mad at you that I'm going to drink the poison. No doubt. It's, uh, it's like, I'm just going to get so angry. So it's like, it's like yeah, but the one you're hurting is yourself primarily no i um i've learned a lot over the years of us doing this and i see things falling into place now and the whole idea of stomping around angry all the time yeah what, what a waste yep. of this valuable time we have yep that is going by way too fast yep so that's why he's like okay i think i can i think this is a better way i'm trying to spend less time more quality time on internet less physical like less in terms of amount of time. Yeah. And when I do, I just try to focus on something that will bring a smile to somebody. That doesn't um, mean I don't have 20 seconds to tell Ben Shapiro to go fucking. Yeah, I mean, but, but even that is like, there's a way to do reduced. it with uh, irony. Right exactly. exactly. Yes. <laughs> it's much easier to go that route. Comedy more than anger. Oh my gosh, it's story time again, everybody. Did, are we going to Chile? Is that what We I mean? are going to Chile, most definitely. Excellent. 1500s, Chile. Uh, that is the time when uh, the Spaniards are on their full uh, conquer half of the world, the world tour. In a 
you know, Spanish style 1500s. We'll wipe the hell out of you if you resist, and if we either we kill you with our swords, we kill you with our diseases, or if you survive, you'll be our slave. So that make a cool T-shirt, actually. Right? That's like conquer the World War II. Some good options right there, right? <laughs> So yeah, generally speaking, seeing the Spaniards show up in your lands, particularly if you are in the Americas, was not good news. That's when really bad shit is about to happen. Um, go ask the Mexica, or ask, better known as Aztecs, go ask the Inca, go ask pretty much anybody. You know, anybody, native people in the Caribbean islands, you know, wiped out or off the wall. Really bad shit would happen. I tell you real quick, one of my favorite things when they did the, the LACMA, they, they had like Olmec heads and all, yeah. all was a snake. A guy is like a perfect coiled python. Mm -hmm. And the date on it was the day of the Spanish arrival. Wow. Yeah. One of the coolest things. That's I've ever, when. Uh, it's when it all went down. That's when things go down. The flip got switched. Definitely. For sure. Anyway, sorry about that. No, no. All good. <clears throat> and so what happens is we have uh, the Spaniards in Chile in the 1500s. As, you know, they have been having monstrous success, largely because of diseases, because, you know, there was no immunity to European diseases. None of the diseases had um, ever been seen in the Americas because all of these diseases come to us from domesticated animals. And in the Americas, you had domesticated plants, but hardly any domain, pretty much all the llamas dogs. running around. Yeah, about it. llamas, dogs, that's about it, right? So as a result of that, there had been no exposure to all the kind of smallpox, flu, uh, swine, or none of those things. You all know? created from them being packed together for a few exactly. hundred years. So that's why you have the same type of diseases in Europe, in Asia, in Africa, because there was domestication of plants and animals. In the Americas, only domestication of plants. And again, dogs and llamas don't quite cut it because they are not major disease carriers, so different story. So that's the one weapon that will allow the Spaniards first and other Europeans to have a humongous advantage when they come to the Americas. So the Spaniards are like, okay, we have done this in Mexico, we have done this in Peru, we have done this in Cuba, in just about everywhere. Let's add Chile to our list of uh, world domination bit more mountainous there isn't it definitely and uh, there was this one uh, tribal nation known as the mapuche and so they are next on the to be conquered list things similarly don't always go extremely well for them and uh, in one particular at the end of this one particular battle the Spaniards are able to capture a whole bunch of Mapuche warriors, including a war leader that they will name Galvarino. Galvarino, as part of showing that fighting against the Spaniards is not healthy, the Spaniards put his hands on the chopping block and chop off his right and left hand. And he puts his head on the chopping block saying, okay, let's get over it. And they are like, no, 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 no. We kind of want to send the message of, so go home, see what happens to anybody who raise a hand against the Spaniards and teach them a lesson. Turns out that the lesson that Galvarino teaches to his guys is not quite what the Spaniards had hoped for. Because the guy in full... Uh, Ash versus Evil Dead, uh, Army of Darkness Get kind of mode. Uh, yeah. The tale is, and again, who the hell knows how exactly historically accurate, because of course the sources are rather thin on this stuff. But the tale that goes about him is that 
he ties some blades to his uh, stumps. So, you know, because usually having no hands tend to be a deal breaker when it comes to your career as a warrior. Turns out instead Galvaridio is like, nope, it's time to add some blades to my stumps. So off we go. Which, by the way, is not just uh, Army of Darkness kind of idea. If you guys have never watched Army of Darkness, repent and check it out because <laughs> Bruce Campbell is the greatest human ever. Um, I even saw, um, not so long ago, I think it was a couple of years ago, they discovered a grave in Italy dating back over, I forget exactly how long, it was like 1,000, 1,500 years ago, something like that. And there was a guy who had his arm cut off and had a, a blade implanted into his forearm. Wow. Because it's like you don't want the lack of a hand to stay in the way of you killing some bastards. So Galvarino led his guys into battle with blades in places of hands. Um, battle was brutally hard. They killed a bunch of Spaniards, but eventually they were defeated, as usually these stories go. However, while it seems pretty clear that Galvarino didn't make it out of that battle, there are different accounts of what exactly happened, whether he killed himself when the battle was lost or whether he was killed. That's not clear. One thing that is impressive is the fact that these people, the Mapuche, were actually one of the very, very few rare cases of tribes that were not fully conquered by the Spaniards. And they were, and needless to say, his story become an example forever told in myths and legend afterwards of like badass resistance to when the empire come knocking on your door, chop your hands off. Well, nothing that's going to stop you because you can always put blades in your stumps. Wow. What kind of blades are we talking about? Would these have been stone, like onyx sort of things, or did they have metallurgy going? Uh, could be. I mean, they were also or maybe they picked up swords. Exactly, by they yeah. could. So I'm not entirely sure about that, but uh, either way, it's cooler if it's like onyx or something, right? That's a badass. Dragon glass. That's a badass stuff right there. Ah, power of the people. Oh, on that note, shout out to the great website badassoftheweek.com pack with this kind of crazy stories uh, written in an absolutely hilarious way that dude is really funny and uh, you know it's funny because so many of the stories that i'm into i read them somewhere else and then i usually check badass of the week and sure enough they are there uh, because we seem to have a taste for some of the same uh, absolutely balls to the wall uh, insane over the top tales so this is definitely one of them excellent i forgot to mention the guy who alerted me to this awesome story is our faithful listener, Maurizio Mezzatesta. Oh, excellent. So thank you, my man. This was a beautiful tale. So with this being uh, cooked up, when's our Caravaggio movie going to happen? I'm, I'm... Uh, don't make me cry. Oh, okay. Stuff with... Uh, man, it's so funny because there's so much content being produced. Hollywood left and right yeah. and it's still so insanely hard to get anything done because of course when they have to give you millions of dollars to produce you know this is not a book this is not movies tv series cost an insane amount of money so unfortunately they tend to look for every conceivable reason to say no and unfortunately Caravaggio has been among them well we ain't done yet correct
Now, I feel like for some reason we're just not storied out for the day. No, let's, <clears throat> let's double up. Let's, um, I'll tell you at least briefly a tale. Um, I think we mentioned this guy in the past, but I'm doing a History on Fire episode. And of course, since most of you guys are not behind the paywall on Luminary, don't really have access to all of the History on Fire episodes, I want to just tell you a little bit about this tale because it's badass. Um, uh, I think by the time we released this episode, the History on Fire one has either just been released or is about to be released or something like that. The episode will be entitled The Punk Rocker of Ancient Greece. It doesn't have to do with music, but it is punk as in uh, the attitude and the spirit of punk. And I, th- I thought you were saying bank robber. The, the bank robber <laughs> would be good. I like the bank robber of Ancient Greece, but no, he wasn't as in uh, punk, as in musical genre. And um, the good man in question is named Diogenes. Diogenes was uh, become known as like one of the most famous ancient Greek philosophers. But if, you know, the Socrates and Plato and Aristotle are like the respectable side of it, Diogenes is not that kind of a guy. He's uh, George Carlin uh, to the tenth power, mildly crazy and a lot of fun. One story that I'm sure we used at some drunken Taoist episode in the past because it's just too badass is probably the most famous of all of uh, Diogenes' story. It involves Alexander the Great showing up in town when uh, and Diogenes is homeless. You know, he spends his days on the street sunbathing. Uh, doing whatever he feels like, openly having sex in public, doing things that are completely against the morals and the ideas of the time. And uh, what happens with good old Diogenes is that Alexander the Great says, hey, I want to meet this guy. So he sends some envoys and say, come on over. Uh, The great Alexander wants to meet you. Diogenes is like, yeah, nah, I don't feel like it. He says something like, uh, I'm too self-sufficient to need Alexander and he's clearly too important to need me. So why are we even doing this? That's a compliment at least. Which generally speaking, considering that Alexander is the kind of guy who will nail to a cross anybody who uh, mildly piss him off, uh, murder some of his friends during drunken brawls if... uh, Stomp you with his elephants. If they make jokes that he doesn't like at a banquet and stuff, he's not the kind of guy you want to piss off, right? But Diogenes is seemingly unconcerned about it. Alexander's interest is peak by this, so he decided to go take a look for himself, and he finds Diogenes naked in the middle of a square, sunbathing. And he approaches him and says, Look, I've heard a lot about you. You sound like a really wild, incredible guy. Let's talk about it. Um, I'll give you anything you want. And the famous Diogenes reply was like, his one request for Alexander, the one man who can either kill you at a drop of a dime or grant you any wish you could possibly have is, step aside, you're blocking the sun. (laughs) Which under any normal circumstance would lead to the loss of your head, but Alexander apparently had a sense of humor. He thought he was hilarious, so he... uh, uh, as he was leaving, he said, you know, had I not been Alexander, I would have liked to be Diogenes. Oh. To which Diogenes replied, had I not been Diogenes, I would have still liked to be Diogenes. 
So that's the guy, right? <clears throat> is um, that's fantastic? Do you think that actually happened? Um, oh no, it's, it's okay again, to think so, right? That's possible. I mean, it's very likely that, like most of these things about something half that legend, happened, half 20, real. exactly. You know, we're talking about twenty four hundred years ago, yeah. uh, years ago in ancient Greece. It probably starts from a seed of truth, and then it blossoms. As I mean, there are like. 12 different stories or something about the encounters between Alexander and Diogenes. Likely one of them happened and it was hilarious. And then people added on to this corpus of legend to... You know, people do like to fire their stories up a little bit. Of course. And shit, there's uh, stories I tell that are already family legend that are not completely of truth anymore. And taking up a life of their own. No. Exactly. And at some point it's... They are fun. Who cares? So whether it's... Uh, Call it historical fig. Nobody knows. You know, the reality is nobody knows how much of this is true and how much is not. Now, the tales about him are, there's an endless list of stories like this that are absolutely hilarious. This kind of dialogues between uh, usually powerful, because the whole thing that Diogenes is doing is, is just challenging the values of the time in hilarious ways. So it's, it's a comedy act, really. It's like street theater and a comedy act. That makes him a renowned philosopher, oddly enough, but you know, it, it's just funny. That's where it's at. The one criticism that I've had of uh, his stuff, because you know, I got to, I started out researching this episode, and as I always do, I end up reading every single thing there can possibly be written about a guy. So after a while, I knew Diogenes inside out, all the stories, all the things. And I have to say, I like Diogenes better when I knew less about him than when I dug deeper. Not because those stories, there are plenty. I found even more awesome stories like this one that are absolutely hilarious. The problem is he seems to... Um, oh, let me give you another one just to add a taste and then we go into the problem. So he's always bickering with Plato and it's funny because Plato is renowned as sort of the father of Western philosophy and he's, Diogenes is always kind of making fun of him. In this one case, Plato runs into Diogenes and seeing him kind of washing lettuce, this very humble meal that he leaves off, very mild stuff. And Plato said, if you had to pay your respect to Dionysus, now not this Dionysus, the god Dionysus, Dionysus was just like apparently a popular name, so he's referring to this guy who was the ruler, a powerful ruler in, um, in Sicily. He said, if you had paid your respect to Dionysus, you would not have to wash lettuce now. To which Diogenes replied, if you had washed lettuce, you wouldn't have had to pay your respect to Dionysus. In his mind, is like, <laughs> you are just basically the lapdog of some tyrant somewhere, and you think that you are proud of your lapdog status. I'm much happier eating my lettuce in peace at the marketplace anytime I want without anybody ruling over me. So there's this fiercely independent vibe about Diogenes that, of course, you got to admire. You know, it's um, that part is absolutely badass. The part that I was hinting at that I'm less impressed by is the fact that the downside of Diogenes' story is that as hilarious as he is, and he really is hilarious, over and over and over, his, um, his humor is always negative. There's, uh, like, he's... A brilliant comedian when it comes to tearing down established values, he doesn't really offer much in the way of what's the alternative. He's like, okay, current social values suck. 
what do you propose that's better? What do you create? What vision of the world do you have that's more interesting than the one you're criticizing? It's always been that way and nothing will ever change. Right? And so I kind of have this vibe of like, that's too easy. You know, it's too easy to make fun of the existing status quo. Even if you are a genius and you do it in ways that are absolutely hilarious that crack me up. I appreciate the humor. I really, really do. But I'm not into criticism without alternatives. If you are that smart, then use it to create something. Don't just use it. It's, it's cheap to use it to just poke fun at stuff, to just point at stupidity and say, ha ha, look how stupid that is. Okay, what's intelligent then? What is the good stuff? Show me that. That I'm more... I mean, once we have established that something is stupid, great. Show me the good stuff. And in some way, this ties back, I mean, things we've been saying about even internet communication, you know, it's like, I don't want to spend my time talking shit about uh, particularly figures in power, the Trump of the world or any other asshole like that. It's like, yeah, they're assholes. Okay, we can say it once, we can say it twice, we can say it three times. Eventually, get a life, you know, let's move on to something else. Not just how those are the bad guys. How, the, how are you different from those guys? Is it just because you are not as bad as they are or is it because you actually have something good to propose? Because that's what interests me. You know, it's like alternate, creative alternatives are way more interesting than even the most well-worded criticism. And so that's my bone to pick with good Diogenes that is a god of a comedian, but is not really... Pro and in some way, I mean, when I call it the punk rocker of ancient Greece, again, not the bank robber, the punk rocker of ancient Greece, it sort of fits because that's also my problem with punk culture in general. You know, punk is great when it comes to tearing down like the middle finger to establish authority. Brilliant. I love that. Hey, we're talking middle finger of the gods here. You know, I can appreciate that clearly. But there has to be more. If you are just the guy who goes, Nina, 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 you guys suck. Fuck you. It's like, it's childish, you know? Um, so that's my issue with punk in general, as much as I do appreciate a lot of it, is my issue with Diogenes, is my issue with that type of approach that too, emphasizes too much criticism and not enough creative alternatives, positive creative alternatives. So that's my bitching is done about it. But that's, I think, like even for myself, I notice it's like, it's sort of what we're saying about communication in general. It's like, is what I'm about to say just going to score me a point in coolness by, haha, I made a good point showing how stupid those guys are? Or do I actually have something more meaningful to put forward? Where it's like, can I make somebody smile? Can I make somebody happy? Can I think of a way that will actually improve somebody's life a little more long term? Can I do any of the... If, why don't I put most of my energy there and then have the moment of funny, outlandish, jokish thing for one moment? You know, it's a matter of balance in that way. It's funny how Henry Rollins went from punk to yeah. pontificating. Right? In a really great way. In a really great way. That's what I like. That's to me, is good punk. Yeah. Is, that's perfect. Because he keeps his punk attitude, but now he's all about seeing the world, visiting people, learning from other folks, and coming yep. and reporting in to everybody about what we can do to make it better. Way better than the stereotype of what punk is, a la Sid Vicious or mm. that kind of shit, where it's like it gets old really fast. You know, it's fun for about five minutes. Yep. By minute number six, not so much. Now, speaking of Black Flag, 
Do you know uh, Mike V's on tour with him right now? Our good buddy, Mr. Somebody Mike we V. Definitely chat with in the real near future. Yes, he's uh, he's touring with Black Flag, being the singer. How yeah, cool is that? That's like, so cool. He went to their concert when he was 14, being all excited, and now having a chance to perform with them, and that's amazing. That's I so think cool. Henry Rollins' like story of getting picked up by them is very similar too. I think he was a bit younger. Yeah, and they uh, just. Tried him out and liked him, and next thing you know, Sweet. off he went. I love it. Yeah. Punk rock is good. Totally. Again, with it the right balance. Had, and it definitely has its place, too. It was definitely a uh, palate cleanser. Mm-hmm. You know, the 70s rock and disco had exploded into hyper popular, and it just was needed to be hosed down a little bit. No, don't get me wrong. I'm a big fan of tearing down nasty social orders nasty established values nasty status quo all of that stuff yeah tear it down but that should be five percent of your energy oh yeah the other 95 should go into rebuilding the world from the smoking ruins not just creating the smoking ruins which was the glory of sort of you know i guess the ramones more than anybody once mm-hmm. once everybody across the country saw that the ramones could do it they're like fuck it we can do it too right and That's... all those bands erupted it's just yep what a great moment. We could use one of those right now. Not from the from the bag, but from myself. What did you think of this Epstein madness of the guy who tries to kill himself suddenly strangled or whatever? Come on, man. How yeah, much are we supposed to believe? You know, that's the one conspiracy theory that make everyone happy, right? Because <laughs> right-wingers are like, you see, he was killed because Clinton did it. Yeah. Left-wingers Boy, are like, you deep. see... <laughs> He was killed because Trump and his justice system set him up. He was, there's the royal family of things. There's of everyone in the universe. Lined up to rub this guy out. And, uh, oh, what do you know? What do you know? They happened to forget to watch him for a minute. I and, mean, and yeah. break all the rules. That is shady. It's like, <laughs> come on. It's like you have somebody who was on Suicide Watch. Mm-hmm. Supposed to have somebody in cell with him. Everyone in the universe is saying this guy is not gonna make it to trial. It's like of course. everybody's calling it, so it's like so predictable. And they decide to remove him from Suicide Watch. The cameras don't work. It's like, come on, man. There's a level, is like the funny thing about it though, is like, how can you how can something be so blatant? And still happen, and somebody feels strongly enough that they will be able to get away with it, despite the fact that it's so blatant. Well, and the guy who probably had the most to do with it, William Barr, removed him from Rikers and put him in the detention facility of his choice. Here's outrage! I'm going to start an investigation right now! Come the fuck on, man. Of course. How much do we have to believe? Yeah, it's shady. It really (laughs) is. It's one of the stories that is like, come on, man. It's like, then unfortunately gives ammo to every insane conspiracy theory in the world because but i think that's the point is like 
just because most conspiracy theories are bullshit doesn't mean that they all are. <laughs> you know, no. some actually are on the money. And, it's, and one of those crazy ones deep in the muck is the one. I mean, I find it difficult to believe that the Clintons, 20 plus years removed from power, I guess yeah. he was Secretary of State, have the power to have some. But then again, you don't know. These people were the most powerful people in the world. Yeah. Trump is one of them right now. Yeah. He's got his attorney general, and his his folks seem to be willing to do anything. And but yeah, you're right. It could be the royal family for sure. Like, but I mean, the whole thing should be easy because it's like who authorized the removal from Suicide Watch? Uh-huh. Where the guards that were supposed to be there? Who moved him? You know, it's like the answers are pretty clear where you're gonna find them. Yeah, but. Yeah, that's... Wait till those folks start falling over. Yeah, oh, hit by not... a bus. How terrible. I hate when that happens. Exactly. It's so dangerous out yeah, there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just found it was like... just I don't know. One of those moments where, as crazy as it was, I am glad the motherfucker's dead. Sure. What a piece of shit for sure. But unfortunately, is a God. problem of not exposing who was behind... Which pretty um, much leads me to believe that everybody was in I'm trouble. sure there were a lot of people heavily quite, connected. Quite the interesting room with the Clintons and, and, and Trump yeah, figuring yeah, it uh, out as the, the uh, <laughs> attache from the royal family stops by. How yeah. are we going to kill this motherfucker? <laughs> and I think that's the genius of the ruling class without sounding too, you know, people of the world unite. But it's like they got you picking favorites among people who ultimately are enjoying the same lifestyles, screwing you over in similar ways, doing things that is like, you're talking about people who are rival among buddies, essentially. And, and yeah. rather than having an issue with that particular group of people ruling the world, is like, no, let's pick our favorite among that particular group of people and fight and against argue the about other. It. It's like, yeah, I think you're missing the point there. Yeah, that could be the genius of the whole thing. Yep. They don't want to let go of it, that's for sure. And who would? People with power, as a general rule, are not the ones who are going to give it up voluntarily. No. I just wish I would pass the test. I'm not totally sure I would. I, I failed one the other day. Someone was like, if you uh, you found yourself with a billion dollars, would you quit what you were doing? I was like, yep. Right. I didn't even think about it. Yeah, I let, probably should keep doing what I'm doing. Because after I thought about it for a minute, well, what would I do? I guess I would want to travel and see the world, though. Yeah. But I don't want to... I wouldn't abandon my solo movie, though. No, so what would I... would just have a nicer facility. <laughs> what would I do with a million... Billion dollars? Um, I would definitely take a break from teaching. Like, maybe I would do it later, but definitely I wouldn't feel like doing it right now. But I would still... I like podcasting, so I would still like to do the podcast. Maybe not as many episodes. Maybe on a little more of a relaxed This week from schedule. Malta. Right. It's like, <laughs> yeah, a little more... Yeah, I think a little more of a relaxed schedule, but sure. Um, yeah, that part I don't think I would change. But the teaching right now, um, I don't want to say I'm over it, but uh, it's less exciting than it was before. And um, I would... Maybe I would go back to it later, but right now I wouldn't mind a break. And you can open schools in Africa and things like right. that. Right, do other stuff. Yeah, really be billion dollars is a good chunk. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see. Yeah, I think a lot could go badly though. That kind of money could sway you into position, yeah. make decisions you never had to worry about before. Sure, in a crazy way. Yeah, well, that would be a good problem to have. Yeah, oh, I agree. 
I do hope I behave myself somewhat, but I could make no guarantees. Funky music means one thing. That's the end of another fine episode of the Drunken Taoist Podcast. What a delightful chat today. Yes, indeed. And fun. So let's say thank you to a few folks. First, let's start off with the sweet folks who have been donating, which Excellent. is always appreciated. Let the pottery begin. Here we go with Mr. Andre Garapetian, Pat Hartman, Lisa Robles, Nicola Togni, and Samuele Rudelli. Nice. Thank, thank you, you, thank everybody. you, thank you. For those of you guys who are not believers in the notion of parting with your hard-earned money to support podcasts, you can still use our Amazon link. That is a very sweet concept that doesn't cost you a dime and you still help us out. So please do that. Click through our link when you go shopping. Shop away, just like you normally do. And a little tiny chunk of that corpus blood, soulless corporate blood money will come our way. I think this is going to be the last time we'll ever have an Amazon link, but it's totally worth it because that was a good... One. A little tiny chunk of that hard-working corporate soulless. <laughs> I, I can't do it. I can't do it. It's all good. I'm trying. It's fine. It's, it's our last nickel ever. Totally good. Thank you also to Onnit for sponsoring us since forever. Those guys are awesome. Please check their website and see if there's anything you can get from them. We have promo code... Actually, it's not a promo code. You just add Taoist to uh, onnit.com. So you go to onnit.com forward slash T-A-O-I-S-T. And you get all the goodies with a discount. Also, we thank, of course, Blue Chew for making us happy in more ways than one. We thank also the folks who are making it possible to have four episodes this month. A very, I think it's the first time ever that we get four episodes out in a month. So that is the sweet folks at MyBookie, since it's football gambling season and many people dig that. MyBookie is there to take care of you with promo code Taoist. T-A-O-I-S-T. Check them out. Uh, shout out to NeverTapGear.com. Shout out to uh, Snowroast.com for amazing coffee. And, uh, and of course, Grassland Beef, who's feeding us incredibly well and we love them. Anything else that well of course thank you to Daisy House for the music. Anything else we need to mention? Keep it on org keeps roaring on. $132,000 in loans from your fellow listeners. Just keep it up everybody. We'll be at a quarter million before you know it and that will be time for a party. So thanks for all of you helping out. Uh give get back loan again. Repeat. Keep it org. That's it. Thank you guys. Have a great day. So ends another awesome episode of the Drunken Dows podcast. Be sure to keep your ears peeled for another mind-expanding episode coming soon. We'll be tweeting you as they come out. You can keep track of Danielli at D-Bolelli. That's D-B-O-L-E-L-L-I. 
And you can find me on Twitter at RichieMon1, R-I-C-H-I-M-O-N, and the numeral one. We'll see you all soon. Woo! Maybe I don't want to hear this. No, you don't. <laughs> in questo caso, in questo caso, le provvidenza di Dio. Duncan showed you the way, huh? Oh man, isn't that scary to think? Nice. So don't kill people, do that instead. <laughs> this was great. Fucking awesome. And I love this conversation. You're nothing against chicken other than the fact that they are ugly and weird and strange. We've been yeah, having a great hour nice. here. Dun, dun, dun. I completely got lost. Are we doing the outro or the intro? We're out Oh, we're out. Okay, sorry. So that's... <laughs> So let's continue. Did you ever see the movie Tombstone with uh, Val Kilmer and... Uh, uh, your accent, it just... Whatever that movie is you were trying to tell me about... Can you translate for me, please? I believe the word was Tombstone. Yeah, that one, exactly. <laughs> just as I was saying, you know, Tombstone. <laughs> now, most everybody thought... <coughs> Sorry. We'll, <coughs> we'll do a cut on there. Or not. That was something else. <laughs> no, that's a bit too powerful. <laughs> What do I have to do? One day the rod shall teach you. Get back to work. Funky. Podcasting. It's like radio, but you can cuss. Wow!